0: Avaz.com. This is the morning brief from The Economic Times produced in collaboration with Avas.com.
1: Billionaire Mukesh Ambani told an auditorium packed with shareholders that Reliance Industries will enter a golden decade at the verge of completing its biggest ever capex program 3 years ago The year after Reliance signaled a tectonic shift in its decades-long and successful business model of going in businesses alone by proposing to sell stake in its oil and chemicals business to Saudi Arabian giant Aramco. The seeds of what is being called the new Reliance were sowed. Since then, the company has raised $36 billion of capital through rights issue and stake sales in telecom venture Geo. And Reliance Retail. Earlier this week, it kicked off the process of carving out the oil to chemicals business to monetize it and make way for a new growth phase, which will focus on technology and clean energy. The country's largest company by market value is reorganizing. What does the road ahead look like for this new Reliance? And what does it mean for its retail shareholders, the most passionate cheerleaders of the conglomerate. We will find out all this and more in today's episode. From the Economic Times, I'm Rachita Prasad and you're listening to The Morning Brief. Our first guest is Joseph Chang, Global Editor at ICIS, an international commodity intelligence service provider. Joseph is based in New York, and tracks energy and petrochemicals markets and the different stakeholders in this space. Our second guest is Harshwardhan Dole, Vice President of Institutional Equities at IIFL. He has closely tracked the conglomerate for the last 15 years. Welcome to the podcast, Joseph and Harshwardhan. Let's jump right in. Harsh, Reliance has said that it will become a holding company for three businesses. O2C, Geo, and Retail. The standalone entity will become an incubation platform for new digital technology and clean energy. This new reliance that the company is talking about, what do you make of that? Help us understand what the new avatar would be once the process is completed.
0: Hi, Rachita. I'll just briefly explain what the whole process looks like and the rationale behind that. Reliance thus far has been more B2B centric company. And in a B2B centric company, the key success factors include, fast execution of underlying projects, getting the unit economics on track, and meeting the bulk customer demand appropriately. In the past decade or so, the capital allocation of Reliance has moved more towards B2C businesses. These businesses require Reliance to catch up with technology as fast as you can, alter the product offerings according to the consumer needs, and at the same time, ensure that the returns to shareholders remain attractive. The best way to do that was to induct strategic partners in each of the B2C businesses. And that is what Reliance has actually done in past 12 months. So the way I see, Reliance few years out will actually have three buckets of businesses. Two, which are B2C centric, that is retail and geo, And the third entity, which will primarily focus on its old economy, O2C business, where it has got huge plans to make it carbon neutral and ensure that uh, on ESG framework, the company continues to be as attractive as it was in the previous decades. So few years out, shareholder of Reliance will actually end up getting perhaps three or more shares of various listed entities as and when the process of hiving of each of these businesses is completed. So it perfectly works well from a risk mitigation perspective And at the same time, it gives ample opportunity for the existing shareholders to continue and participate in the value creation process.
1: That's interesting. Uh, Like you said, three buckets here, O2C, retail and digital. But with this entire plan, Reliance is steering towards a long-term vision. What are the challenges that the conglomerate can face during this transition phase? One of the
0: greatest challenges that uh, in general, company like Reliance, which has implemented mass rollout of B2C projects, is basically meeting customers' expectations. Considering the complexities of uh, B2C rollout, uh, there are ought to be you know teething problems in each of these ventures. Second is of course uh, the technology is changing so rapidly that the average cycle time between uh, you inventing a product or an offering versus launching has to be very short. And perhaps that is the reason why Reliance is very keen to induct strategic partners, particularly on the B2C segment.
1: That's a very relevant point. Joseph, let me come to you now. Reliance is carving out the O2C division with the aim to get global investments in it. They did manage to get a good set of investors in digital and retail businesses. But the nature of the energy business is very different from these two other businesses. Hashwadan also mentioned that. Will a similar monetization strategy work for O2C with multiple investors? What's your take on that?
2: Well, Rachida, you know, for the oil and chemical sector, you know, this could be more challenging uh, to to get these multiple investors. Uh, I think typically uh, companies like this, they like to take major stakes in ventures. Um, it could be the capital intensive nature of the business that they're used to taking larger shares. So, indeed, we've seen, say, Facebook taking a 10 percent stake in Reliance's GEO and Alphabet Google. Uh, 7% stake. Uh, but these types of shares will be more challenging for oil and chemical company investors, I think. And also as a strategic investor, uh, they typically want more control or to be a major partner rather than being a passive shareholder with a smaller stake. So so I think it is different for, for energy and chemicals.
1: That makes sense. Joseph, Reliance indicated that talks with Aramco are on. In fact, the last public statement from Aramco also signaled that they're still interested in the O2C stake. But Aramco cut its 2020 CAPEX budget to half and has indicated that its yearly CAPEX budget will remain at this level until at least 2023. You, I believe, interviewed the Saudi Aramco CEO in December. What's the sense you got from him on their investment plans in India?
2: So yes, you know, Aramco, like just about every oil company, did slash capex in 2020, and that's going to continue for the next several years. That level of capital discipline, and that level of discipline should extend to M&A as well. So you wouldn't expect companies to overstretch in terms of valuations paid for acquisitions. But you know, it's also clear that Aramco views chemicals as a major growth business and seeks to boost its its footprint in in chemicals. So, I mean, it expects petrochemicals to account for about half the demand for oil in the next decade. Uh, And also on a geographic basis, Aramco is targeting growth markets in Asia, such as India, China, and Southeast Asia. Now, India is clearly of interest to Aramco's long-term ambitions because of its growth potential. I mean, when we talked to CEO Amin Nasser in December, he pointed to India's car ownership levels being much lower than that of the U.S., U.K., or even China. Uh, I think it's 20 20 per 1,000 people versus even 170 for China. And in India, Aramco is also still working with ADNOC, that's Abu Dhabi National Oil Company, and a consortium of Indian oil companies to build a refining and petrochemicals complex on the West Coast. So, you know, uh, yeah, certainly they're, they are interested in making growth investments in chemicals and in India and Southeast Asia and China in particular.
1: Who could be the other potential investors in RIL O2C, Joseph?
2: Well, in terms of other investors, you would think uh, Reliance is... Uh, you know, oil to chemicals business would be of interest to, to pretty much any large oil or maybe petrochemical company looking for an on-the-ground presence in a in a high-growth market. So you, you do have yeah a number of uh, a number of oil companies that are looking for growth markets. You see some of them shifting more towards chemicals uh, because they they understand that uh, transportation fuel demand will uh, level off and, and decline in the long run. They do. Ah, uh, realize the threat from the electric vehicles. So a lot of European major oil companies have have shifted to to some of these these green investments, and others are uh, reiterating their commitment to chemicals, like a, say, a Shell. They, they you know they want to grow their chemicals business because that's that's where the growth is going to be in the future.
1: Uh, Joseph, from the time the deal was uh, initially announced in August 2019. Reliance at that point of time had pegged the enterprise value of the O2C business at $75 billion. Now, with the crude price movement and COVID hitting demand in the backdrop, will investors seek lower valuations now?
2: You know, it it is interesting. I mean, things have changed, uh, obviously, a great deal since uh, August 2019. Uh, You know, the refining part in particular, that part, you know, so this business is refining as well as chemicals. So refining continues to be challenging with excess supply, and you also have less gasoline demand and diesel demand from the U.S. and Europe. Uh, You know, that's going to be, you know, so some of that was COVID-related with the disruptions, but it's it's also going to be a long-term challenge as demand for gasoline and diesel declines with the rapid adoption of electric vehicles. So the refining part is very challenged. You've seen those profits uh, go down. Yet the chemicals side has held up very well, even through the pandemic. The prospects for those businesses, the, the chemicals portion and the polymers, that looks very positive. And profits have been borne that out through these challenging times. But the refining piece is, is a challenge. So in terms of valuation, if you, if you look at these two, uh, you know, two components of, of that oil to chemicals business, it, it's the refining part is the challenging one.
1: Probably one could offset the other because that is what has been happening uh, whenever they have announced their financial results. The margins in the petrochemical business has been offsetting what's happening in the refining side of the business. Hush, do you have a take on what the valuations could look like for the O2C business?
0: The petrochemical integration of Reliance's uh, complex with refinery is one of the highest. And uh, to that extent, uh, one actually gets on a platter large-scale state-of-the-art technology with uh, deep-rooted petrochemical integration. Uh, For a player like uh, an Aramco, and I'm just hazarding a guess, uh, since that name has been mentioned on public forums several times, this is a great attractive opportunity because if one were to replicate this kind of an asset, there is substantial time and opportunity cost one will have to invest and forego. And uh, relative to that, Perhaps the premium, uh, if the investor uh, by the nature of say Aramco is willing to give for an asset like RIL, that will seem justified in medium to long term. So in my opinion, all depends as to how one is looking forward to cut down his uh, carbon footprint. And uh, it's a trade-off between paying a premium valuation for a premium asset versus uh, investing in a greenfield technology perhaps uh, at a lower cost, but then uh, willing to forego the cash flows for the next several years. So frankly, uh, the attractiveness of an asset like RIL has actually increased in the current macro environment, which in my opinion, RIL should be able to capture as and when it inducts a strategic partner.
1: As and when it inducts a strategic partner. And also, I mean, not to forget the Talks with Saudi Aramco are still going on. So, much to uh, wait and watch there. Joseph, Reliance has set an ambitious target of becoming carbon neutral by 2023. The holding company will work on clean energy to offset the carbon footprint of the O2C subsidiary. How achievable is this? I mean, you uh, track companies across the world. How does RIL fare in comparison to its global peers?
2: It's not an easy thing to do. You can use clean energy on the source and, and use that in your petrochemical operations, but you probably will need some mix of, you know, using renewable energy as well as uh, technologies, even to, uh, to be able to uh, produce petrochemicals and polymers on a more carbon neutral basis. So there are some technologies companies are working on for that, as well as carbon capture. So ultimately, uh, you're going to have some carbon emissions there. I think carbon capture probably plays a big part of that, but that's going to require investment. To achieve this, and also some, I think, government policies that will that will help foster this type of thing because it's not cheap. It's not cheap to be able to uh, to get to carbon neutral at all. So you need uh, uh, certainly some some help and shift in policies by the government.
1: That's great perspective. Harsh, Reliance has said that the standalone entity would be a holding company, and you know the platform will incubate new technologies, green energy initiatives. Uh, you did explain what the structure would look like. While the company transforms, will a holding company discount on shares kick in? Uh, What is your outlook uh, on the shares of the company?
0: Well, that's a very interesting and relevant question, Rachita. See, the holding company discount, strictly speaking, one would build in, provided there is ring-fencing of cash flows in the individual companies. As far as uh, uh, I understand, uh, the ring fencing is not being initiated either in JPL, which is Jio or Reliance Retail or even in the O2C business. And to that extent, as of now, I do not see a strong case for a holding company discount as and when, you know, these three businesses are separated. Of course, one would have to look into detail as and when a strategic partner is inducted in the O2C business. And what are the covenants which are levied at that point of time? But as of now, I do not see a strong case for that. That's that's the first part of it. Second, Reliance actually is trying to position itself as a clean technology or a clean energy player who will produce uh, uh, end-to-end, who will offer end-to-end solutions in the green technology. That's a very ambitious and uh, a very gigantic task that Reliance is actually trying to achieve. One would have to analyze the details in fine, but in my opinion, the space holds a promise. Bear in mind, these innovations require deep pockets and uh, perhaps Reliance's strong balance sheet and the cash flows that individual businesses would generate and which will actually be upstream in the parent entity will help uh, innovate uh, some of these technologies in a much efficient manner. So from a reliant shareholder perspective, that's sort of an option value. As of now, uh, none of the analysts uh, are building that into earnings as well as, you know, overall uh, valuations. So that's one would have to evaluate as and when things happen.
1: Brokerages mostly seem to be positive on the shares. I mean, uh, the kind of uh, uh, ratings and uh, target price they have is still upbeat, uh, uh, despite the fact that the share has already soared in the last one year or so. Uh, what is your outlook on the share specifically? Do you have a target price and a rating?
0: We do cover Reliance, and uh, we have a buy rating on the stock. Strictly speaking, from an SOTP perspective, which is the best way to analyze and value Reliance. Based on the known things and the private equity deals which have happened in the recent times, we value Reliance base case at uh, 2050 in terms of SOTP. Bear in mind, our SOTP does not take into account uh, the $75 billion of enterprise value which has been attributed by RIL to the O2C business. Our valuation is much more modest at $62 billion. Okay. And to that extent, uh, if the deal happens at seventy-five billion dollars, there is an upside. That's number one. Secondly, our retail valuations uh, do not build in any upside from acquisition of future retail assets, because bear in mind it's a great asset which they have acquired at you know uh, very cheap valuations, almost uh, at one-time sales. And to that extent, there is a huge value creation opportunity which is not built into our SOTP. And third, uh, which is an option value, which strictly comes from possible increase in uh, mobile telecom tariffs or increase in RPO, where as of now, we will lay less emphasis because in general, the commentary from all the telcos is that uh, they will prefer to increase efficiencies rather than increasing the RPO. So if the execution holds well, in my opinion, uh, Reliance can trade at a significantly higher valuation than our base case uh, valuation, which is 2050. And that is the reason why uh, we maintain our positive bias on the stock.
1: That's interesting. A lot of this has actually resonated in some brokerage reports that I have seen in the last few days. For the uninitiated, the SOTP harsh referred to is some of the paths valuation method, which actually values a company by determining what its aggregate divisions would be worth if they were spun off or acquired by another company. Hush, finally, you mentioned earlier that uh, Reliance shareholders could probably end up with shares of three companies that uh, the conglomerate is building right now. Now, going ahead for the retail shareholders, particularly, uh, what does it mean? Uh, What does the whole structure mean and how far is the day when uh, the three entities could actually be listed?
0: In my opinion, uh, the number could be three or four, depending on how the eventual structure pans out and one would have to wait for those details but uh, from a retail shareholder's perspective or even for that matter from an institutional shareholder perspective the shareholding will be very similar or is expected to be very similar because that's the way you know demerger typically will work out that if i am holding 50 shares of reliance and if i have a 50% stake in o2c business then i will get same amount of shares when the stock is listed separately on the exchanges. So there should not be any dilution to my economic interest in the individual businesses. And that is how uh, Reliance has uh, created value. And I will trace back, uh, uh, say, uh, 10 to 12 years ago, when there was uh, a demerger of the Infocom business. If you recall... uh, Reliance split uh, Reliance Infocom from Reliance Industries, I think, in 2006-2007. And uh, essentially, the shareholders were given uh, proportionate shares in the Reliance Infocom venture. So to that extent, uh, Reliance has a track record of uh, creating value out of uh, you know, demerger. And I'm quite hopeful that uh, they are working towards a tax-friendly and an investor-friendly structure to unlock value.
1: That would be good news for investors. Also, a good note to end the show on. Thank you, Joseph and Harsh, for being with us today. Reliance Industries' well-storied history is full of ambitious projects executed well. The company has now embarked on yet another project, not just to grow in new areas, but to reorganize what it already has to be future-ready. Will Mr. Ambani deliver yet again? We will keep you posted. That's all from us today. I'm Rachita Prasad and you have been listening to The Morning Brief. This episode was edited by Bhavya Dilip Kumar and coordinated by Nehal Chaliyawala. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. We look forward to your feedback. Write to us at themorningbrief at timesgroup.com. And if you liked this episode, please do share on your social media handles. The Morning Brief is every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Thank you for listening and have a great day.
0: com.